This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back for our final uh, interview, final segment of our Real Presence Live program on a Thursday. Father Jason Leffer joining me, Father James Gross, priest of the Diocese of Fargo, as we come to you from our Grand Forks studios. And we have, uh, we've been really looking forward to this conversation, uh, someone whom many of our listeners may recognize from her occasional hosting from the Dickinson uh, area studios. We have Amanda Ellercamp with us. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Thanks for having me, Father. Great to be with you. And I know um, uh, you and I go back uh, quite a few years. We don't need to be specific about just how many, but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you've been um, you've been in Dickinson uh, with your family for some time. So just uh, if you could mm-hmm. orient our listeners to um, uh, how long you've been there uh, with Trinity and what your your current role in that uh, in that school is. Sure, yeah. Uh, my family and I have lived out in the Dickinson area for about 16 years now, and so I've been uh, working at Trinity Catholic Schools for several years, uh, originally as a religion teacher and now as a mental health counselor in the schools. And during that tenure, I've also uh, been our organizer of our annual March for Life pilgrimage to Washington, D.C., you know, in all of your labors out there, have you come across a student named Max Leffer? <laughs> I have. Unfortunately, he's not in D.C. with me today, but I can harass him in the hallway for you. Please, next if back, you n- next time you see him, can you, can you give him a double wet willy from his uncle? Oh, oh, yes, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> and do it, do it with love, of course. <laughs> with love, yes, yeah, with love. So, what what part of the world are you physically located in at this moment? Yeah, so right now I am standing in Washington, D.C., outside the National Basilica of the Immaculate Conception. Uh, my, my students, my chaperones, uh, my fellow pilgrims are inside still touring. We had a beautiful mass with our uh, Bismarck Diocese High School contingency of students and chaperones this morning. Uh, and we're touring, so our group arrived in D.C. Tuesday evening uh, in preparation for tomorrow's March for Life. So just tell us a little bit about uh, that particular church for those who aren't familiar with D.C. or haven't been there. It's not a stretch to say it is one of the largest single Catholic church buildings in the world. Um, Give us a little bit of perspective of of what that place is like. Yeah, so uh, I believe it's the eighth largest church in the world. Uh, And so it's our, our, our nation's basilica, right? So as United States Catholics, this is really kind of our home parish in a sense, and it's, it's a beautifully uh, ornate church, wonderful mosaics uh, all over the church, and just tons and tons of side chapels dedicated to various uh, devotions to our Blessed Mother. So it's just really a sight to behold, and I've been here a number of times uh, just bringing students, and now my favorite thing to do is to try and get in before them and watch their faces as they come in and see the church for the first time. Absolutely. So, how many years has it? Uh, how many years is this now of March for Life pilgrimages for you? Well, I think if I'm counting correctly, this is my eighth year. So, uh, nine years ago, I would have started. Right in 2021, there was not uh, a national pilgrimage. Right, it was very limited due to COVID. So, this is my eighth year uh, bringing students to DC for the March for Life. And about how many students do you have there with you from uh, Dickinson Trinity? 
Yeah, we have 40 students uh, with us in eight chaperones, so we have a full bus uh, this year, which is which is fabulous. Yeah, very, very good. I guess it's added evidence that you're in D.C., we hear a siren in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and yeah, I saw some exciting news that you are you have uh, someone special accompanying you for this year's pilgrimage. <laughs> Yeah, uh, my husband's with me this year for the first time, so he's been joking with everybody that after eight years, I finally let him come <laughs> along. Um, we also have our oldest daughter with us, who's a junior. This is her first year in the pilgrimage. Um, I've had various family members join me over the years. Both our two older boys came with me each at least once. I was able to bring my dad one year, my father-in-law one year, and yeah, now we finally let Paul. Uh, come along. In reality, our kids are just uh, a little bit old enough to, to be left without a parent. My mom and dad are there holding down the fort with the two that are at home, but it's been a, a real joy and a blessing to share this experience with them this year. You know, before we get into the significant differences of this year compared to past mm-hmm. years because of the Roe v. Wade decision, could um, could you just, for our listeners who have never experienced it, can you can you kind of describe like the the process, the what you you go out there, what you experience while you're out there, and on the return, how are the people different from when they left? Yeah, so um, you know the whole process, both of the pilgrimage of the march, is always interesting for me to witness because I think you know in reality some kids come on the trip because you know, their friend was coming or their mom made them go or you know whatever, um, but just having the whole experience of of the week. Um, we do various things. We visit religious and historical sites. And, of course, you know, what we came for uh, is the National March for Life. And so when we are having that experience and you're surrounded by literally hundreds of thousands of fellow pro-life people, many, many of them young, and the students see that, wow, okay, I'm not maybe so alone in this. There's a lot of other people that have the same beliefs and values that I do, and there's really something happening here and really seeing that they really can make a difference. Um, it's really incredible to see the students' response to that and their, and their reaction and for them to come back even more convicted uh, and on fire, you know, for that. And if you've never experienced the march before, I think some people, particularly with our you know, current just climate, I guess, of society and, and political might think, okay, is it really, you know, what what is the vibe, I guess, you know, to use this teenage word sort of thing going on. And it really just is a peaceful, joyful event of the celebration of life and, and to be a voice for the voiceless. Yeah. So uh, it's always a great, a joyful presence, particularly with all the young people, um, you know, to really just say what we're here for and to stand for and to be uh, a voice for all life and the beauty of that dignity of life that God gives each of us. Right. So in terms of the logistics, you guys decide to uh, leave a little bit early so that you can settle in, have a couple of days in Mm -hmm. D.C. before the main events happen, and then you're probably hopping on the bus uh, tomorrow later in the day and starting the drive straight through to get back on the weekend sometime? Yep, yeah. So our trip is we, we left from Dickinson fairly early Monday morning, had uh, mass with our fellow high school pilgrims in Bismarck, and then drove through the night, got here Tuesday evening. And that gives us a couple of days to tour ahead of time, get some sleep in a bed, uh, and kind of prepare ourselves in a multiple ways. We have mass every day. 
uh, together and we're, we're touring tonight. Mm-hmm. Our Bismarck Diocese group is going to have confession and adoration. It's a beautiful way to prepare us for the march tomorrow. And then we'll have Mass together again tomorrow morning. The University of Mary hosts Mass for us, and all the uh, Bismarck Diocese high schools will also join them. And then, yeah, after the March for Life, we go back to the bus and get on the bus and start our way back to North Dakota and get home sometime Saturday night. Uh, Amanda, can I ask, I don't, I'm not sure your itinerary this year, but is, mm-hmm. are, is there a visit to the Holocaust Museum? We did that yesterday, yes. We okay, were fortunate so, to be able to do that. Okay, so the, uh, the number of times that I've I've been there, I just can't. Um, I've, I always make sure that a visit to the Holocaust Museum is part of it. Could could you try to describe for our our listeners like when the experience of going into the Holocaust Museum and and what it does to you as a person when you go in? Yeah, it's always very striking. Um, we were blessed to be able to do it this year. It's been a couple years since we've been able to get in there, um, and so. For almost everybody on our bus, this was their first time going to the Holocaust Memorial yesterday. And so um, we had a number of students who were really, really struck in a number of ways because it becomes very evident as you walk through there the systematic dehumanization that happened in order for this atrocity to be impacted, you know, uh, enacted the way it was with the number of uh, of. Jewish people and other people who were brutally murdered. And um, as I was walking through there yesterday, I I commented to my husband that the thing that always strikes me is like, how could this happen? Right? Like, how could this go on? How could nobody notice? Um, And and why were they so interested in like their hair and the shoes and things afterwards if they they thought that they were subhuman, if they thought, you know, uh, and, and my husband, Paul, said, well, you know, when we treat things like animals, then we can use it as byproducts. Right. You know, and you, you, know, you use mentioned the byproducts of animals. You mentioned those shoes, and I, I know for me, mm-hmm. every time through, the, the part that hits me the hardest is you, you come through, there's a real car, and then there's a pile of shoes, and they're actual real shoes from yeah. the concentration camp, and you can smell, you smell, mm-hmm. and, and it just, it, it leaves, it impresses upon your soul the, 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 the human beings that are associated with that and what happened. I mean, it just, it, it's something that, I don't know, I, I think it's so profound that I think every person should have the experience of, of passing through there to, to see, like you say, how can one human being do this to another human being? Yeah, yeah the, the reality of it is so striking. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it, it just because of the detail and like you said, the shoes and the various pictures and... Um, and obviously, you know, it's easy then to make that parallel of, of we dehumanize the child in the womb. And so then we can treat them like a commodity. The, it's, it's a consistent ethic. Them. You know, if you, if you start mm-hmm. from contraception to uh, abortion to infanticide to how we treat people who are living to the end of life issues, this is, you know, uh, Pope Paul VI, this is what you know, what he taught us, you know, that it's a consistent ethic and if if you miss any one of those marks along the way it's going to lead you to the destruction of the human person yes yes and, and you know and even the you know, we started the first night we were here of, of visiting the national monuments uh, on the mall and at night you know so you see the world war ii monument and the korean war and the vietnam war and the um and the rightful recognition that are paid to those lives that were lost 
uh, and then, you know, you see the Holocaust Museum and the atrocities there, um, it really, really hits home and puts into perspective of the value of all life and, and the reason we're here, you know, to stand up uh, for all life, the defenseless, the born, the unborn, all, all people, because everybody has that same dignity and, and should be treated as such. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to be uh, stepping aside in just a moment for a break, but I wanted to just allude to, before we do that, uh, something that uh, I think proves the fact that a pilgrimage of this nature um, has uh, uh, early, has ways of challenging the participants where you have to roll with the punches. Mm-hmm. Do I recall correctly, <laughs> um, were you part of the group that was stranded for a time on the Pennsylvania <laughs> Turnpike, uh, snowed uh... in as you were coming home? I was, Father. You know, you bring that up, and um, I tried to forget it, but yeah. <laughs> I was, I was oh, great. Here I'm inducing a bout of PTSD. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get a little twitchy when we get on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, yeah. It was the second or third year I brought students. Yeah, that's, I was a part of that experience. Did, did so they, is it true they yet. constructed an altar made out of snow and had mass on top of an altar made out of snow? Uh, yeah, our group didn't exactly construct the altar, but yes, that did happen. That was the year that that happened. There was a lot of a lot of stories from that year. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of memories uh, to to bring forward here. Well, we're visiting with Amanda Ellerkamp, who is uh, part of the uh, faculty at Dickinson Trinity and organizing the March for Life for their school. And we'll continue our discussion after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Uh, I remember even during that time, and, and this was uh, during the beginning years of John Paul II's pontificate, and whenever I heard him on TV, because he was always in the news, especially with his travels in Eastern Europe, Poland and all, I, I would hear the things that would come out of his mouth and I would go, there's no way this person is not close closer to God than I am. Mm. Uh, you know. So I always had this sort of secret respect for uh, for John Paul II. Of course I never said this to any of my <laughs> brethren friends, you know. You wouldn't dare. No, of course not. But I I, I I I don't mean to disparage them because they taught me to love the scripture. And interestingly enough, even though they, they do not believe in the real presence of Christ in the sacrament. They had communion every Sunday, and so they really taught me to love the Lord's Supper uh, and to love the Scriptures, and so I'm really thankful to them for that. For centuries, healthcare has been central to the healing ministry of the church. Today's technologies offer exciting possibilities, but also serious moral questions. More than ever, we need healthcare leaders who serve with integrity and conviction. The University of Mary answers the call to prepare leaders anchored in moral courage in a breathtaking range of programs from bioethics to nursing. Visit catholicprofessional.life. Real Presence Radio is available on Alexa-enabled devices, including Amazon Echo, phones, tablets, and smart displays. To enable the skill, just say, Alexa, enable Real Presence Radio. To listen, say something like, Alexa, open Real Presence Radio. It will then ask what station you want to play. To which you can respond, play Sioux Falls, or play AM 970, or play WWEN. From there, you can use commands like play, pause, and stop. Listen to RPR anytime, anywhere, on Alexa-enabled devices. 
You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Thanks for sticking with us on Real Presence Live as Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross join you from the Diocese of Fargo and our Grand Forks studios. We are visiting with Amanda Ellerkamp, who is with uh, her group of uh, high school students and chaperones, one of the many Catholic schools throughout the country organizing a pilgrimage to the March for Life, which will be taking place tomorrow, beginning with a rally, which I believe is around noon uh, local time, and then the uh, march uh, heads up... um, Uh, Constitution Avenue up Capitol Hill, concluding at uh, the Supreme Court building. One thing we wanted to visit with you about, Amanda, and everybody is thinking about who is participating in the march, um, how, at least legally speaking, we are standing on different ground, you might say, than we had been before. Mm -hmm. Um, How on the uh, solemnity of the birth of St. John the Baptist, June 24th, the uh, decision was announced from the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, repealing Roe versus Wade, so that the, uh, the, the matter of abortion is to be taken up uh, on the state level. Um, what uh, if somebody would ask you? Well, you know, because that happened last summer, uh, you know, what's the point of continuing to do this? What should our focus be for the pro-life movement? You know, now that that reality has changed with regard to the law. Yeah, I think really the reality is that the March for Life is is just as important, maybe more as important now than ever, because, well, it was a monumental decision, as you said, to, to overturn the Roe v. Wade decision. It did not end abortion in our country. Uh, it kind of just changed the playing field, that you could say. It's, now, it's no longer in the hands of the Supreme Court. It is back uh, to the state, right, and to legislators, both locally and nationally. And so it's now uh, really important for people to make their voices heard, their voices known, because that's where change is going to be enacted. And so I think there will be, you know, a celebratory um, air, I think, to the to the march tomorrow. Uh, it's the, the 50th anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision, right? It was very big with it being overturned. But uh, our work is, is far from over um, to be changing hearts and minds to make abortion unthinkable in, in our country and in our world. Would, would you say, so like, you know, somebody might critique it and say, well, Hey, if it's back to the states, we should focus more on the march and in Bismarck or the gathering in Bismarck this year, or the state capitals, or you know, Minnesota has gone total pro death and all there over there. Yeah. Should we focus on that locally? But isn't it true too that we might be at a more dangerous moment now than before in the sense on the federal level? Because um, you know, if the legislature, the federal legislature, decides to enshrine abortion as a law of the nation, that it's, it's no longer about overturning a a court decision it becomes law of the land then where it's you know federally it's now mandated every state no state has a right there so isn't it really important to continue just a constant witness at that federal level at the washington dc level to you know remind people of the the voice of life out here yeah uh, father that's a very good point and i think we have to remember that like a, a lot of things and it's both and not either or Right, we need to do both local uh, things, like at our state, to to enshrine and protect life as much as we can, because we have more allowability now with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. But we also need to continue to stand for life and try and avoid, uh, you know, uh, some sort of federal legislation that would remove power from the state. You know, we don't want to take a step backwards during this important time. 
So it's really a both and, right, a, a, of a local and a national, but coming together uh, in a large group in our nation's capital. You know, the march tomorrow, um, will we will march around the capital. It's a different route because we are focusing on the fact that it's not just to the Supreme Court, but we are going to walk around the Capitol uh, in prayer and peaceful presence to remind uh, you know ourselves and our legislators that we do care and we are out here. Uh, and I know for us at Trinity, we're also sending students to Bismarck to be at our state capitol tomorrow. So it, there's, there's lots and lots of work to be done on both levels. I know, like, even, uh, so like, here, here's some ways in which things, you know, like, the, the focus shifts, you know, we're, for so, 50 years we've been focused on overturning that federal court decision. Oh, wow, by the grace of God, and thank you, it's, it, it got changed, but then here's some statistics that I've been looking at and, and finding out, they've been doing a lot of polls, and they're finding, for example, um, you know, it's something in the 60 percentile, people are saying that there, there should be limits on, on abortion. Right, so you'd say, "Oh gosh, it looks at the heart, people really are pro-life," you know. But then they dig down into the weeds and they discover it's it's something like um, eighty or eighty-five percent of all women. So across the spectrum, whatever you are, Catholic or non-Catholic or liberal, conservative, whatever, that um, something they they're saying that eighty-five percent of all women are saying that women should have the right for abortion up to like the the third month for example so i mean so when when you start hearing some of these statistics or these polls and stuff you start to realize like oh my gosh we we really are vulnerable right now because that what happens if at a state level you know every state says well yeah we're gonna put limits on abortion but we'll allow it up to the third the first trimester you know well suddenly we've enshrined abortion in in our laws at every level uh, even though we had this major victory, and it, and I don't, know, what, Amanda, what do you think? Like in my experience, in all the years of being involved in pro-life stuff, it seems every time we get some pro-life victory, like like some other huge defeat just comes like crashing like a wave over us later. Is that is that your experience, or how or how would you say what's what's been your experience all these years? Well, I think what that what calls to mind for me, Father, is we cannot become complacent. Right. This is this is not this is not a, a done deal, so to speak. And we, we have to keep obviously praying because uh, it's it's the work of Almighty God that's going to you know end this once and for all. We cannot do it under human power alone. Um, but I think we cannot become complacent that oh good now you know now that's done check off we did that great yeah it's a great victory and we thank God for that. But you know there is as I said so much work to do to be done to change. Uh, hearts and minds, you know, to the value of human life at every stage, uh, from conception to natural death. And so I, I think it's more, more important now than ever uh, for us to get involved in the pro-life movement at every level, local, state, national, all of that. Right, right. Um, we'll have to let you go in just a moment here, but uh, I came across, it's a, a cover story for the latest Our Sunday Visitor, which I don't know if you've seen, uh, Amanda, but it's a really good uh, article by a journalist named Alexandra DeSanctis talking about the history of the March for Life, and she reminds us in that that uh, back in the mid-70s, you know, some of the uh, primary Republican figures like First Lady Betty Ford or their um, uh, Ford's uh, Vice President Nelson 
Rockefeller were speaking laudably, you know, pra- in a praiseworthy uh, way about the Roe versus Wade decision. And this, I think, uh, really um, put it on the hearts of the founders of the March for Life to be in a public presence. So the fact, for okay. example, that you guys are there on a weekday, you're not going on the Sunday, the 22nd, but on a day where basically the city and its business has to work around you and the hundreds of thousands of people, you know, like what that witness means. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very powerful uh, to to come together for a common cause. You know, we, we want to do what we can do that's in front of us, but if you're able to participate in an event like this, it's very uh, impactful, not only for individual, but for that visibility, you know, to give that witness. So uh, it, we're really um, blessed to be able to, to be here and to, to stand with our fellow pro-life people tomorrow, and I just encourage people to do what they can where they're at, again, local, state, and national, uh, and to make those changes, you know, that we have to come together in this really critical time. Well, Amanda Ellerkamp, thank you so much for being generous with your time here this morning. And for allowing uh, your husband to come along this year. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, we have to mention that as well. So (laughs) blessings to you uh, during the March tomorrow and uh, for a safe trip back to uh, our winter wonderland. Yes, thank you so much, fathers. Uh, We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, very good. So as we are coming to the uh, conclusion of the program, we need a uh, preview for our next show from Rachel down in Command Central. Coming up on the next Your Presence Live, Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, Steve Splonskowski and Roxanne Solonen are your hosts, coming to you live from the Fargo studio. They'll be speaking with Dr. Kevin Vost about St. Thomas Aquinas' Lenten meditations, and Father Richard Kunst will be sharing about his experiences in Rome during the death of Pope Benedict. All this and more is coming on the next Real Presence Live Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you. All right. Thank you very much. So it's a it's an exciting time. We should mention that if a person is looking for coverage of this, EWTN is really the premier place to go for the speeches that begin the uh, the rally and then the footage of the uh, March for Life. Another great thing to look at, which each year I'm sure that they do, that can be found on YouTube, is a time elapse of the route. So they put a stationary camera looking down upon the street, and you see just these enormous waves of people and even though it's sped up so that it's only about a minute or two minutes in time with the sheer volume of it it really gives you a perspective of how many people are down there and what that experience is like you know and so shifting here as we can close yes i just want to let people know yes the saint john of pomacine's pork and dumpling meal is taking place one month from today february 19th up at uh, pizik at St. John's Fantastic. Church, and it'll, that'll be from uh, from 11 o'clock till about 2. Come and eat all the pork and dumplings. Traditional Czech meal, all the kolaches will be there the whole bit. One month, Mark your calendars. One month, go lose some weight so that you can gorge yourself. It's going to be your form of uh, Mardi Gras, you might say, yeah, because exactly. Wednesday is coming up on Wednesday. Absolutely. So, well, that wraps up our Real Presence Live show for today. Stay tuned for more great programming on Real Presence Radio. Women of Grace with Johnette Williams is coming up up next. So on behalf of Father Leffer, Father James Gross, uh, praying for all of you and your families. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Real Presence Live and to all of our programming on Real Presence Radio. Thank you for your support and prayers. God bless you.
This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast anytime of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.